Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go to Matthew chapter 7, if you will. Matthew chapter 7. I, this is one of those that I think I'm going to kind of get direction as I go. You know, you're just going to have to take the step and see where we go. Amen. And so I, I, I got three passages, and, um, and that's all I have, three passages. There, there's no bullets, no notes, no points. You know, we, in, in the church today, we have to be sure that we have a dependence on the Holy Spirit, a dependence. I think the church has built more of a tolerance rather than a dependence for the Holy Spirit. He's tolerated. We give him his space and give him his time and we give him his little sections and we call it the spirit moving. But, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't have to be weird and freaky and kooky. And, you know, it's amazing. This time of year always reminds me that we really don't have any problem with spirits. Halloween reminds me we don't have a problem with believing in stuff that's unseen. And in fact, we've, we, 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 we give all this attention to spirits that want to do evil, and we've actually got a spirit that wants to do good, and we can't talk about him. We can't bring him to church. I tell you what, you just can't have church without the Holy Spirit. I, I've just come to that conclusion. You just can't. You can have a form of church. You can have a cheap substitute, but you can't have church without the Holy Spirit. He is the functioning Godhead in the earth today. You know, Jesus, he's in heaven. God, he's in heaven. The Holy Spirit, he's in the earth with us right here, right now. So I'm thankful for Jesus, thankful for God, and we're not splitting the the three up. They are one, but the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, he's kind of like Jesus' little brother, the tag along. Like, oh, we got to bring him. Okay, we're bringing Jesus. Come on, Holy Spirit. Might as well come too. No, he is the, the, the person. I'm really hot in this mic. He is the person of the Godhead in the earth with us today. And he wants to reside and live within each one of us. That's why Jesus could make such a bold statement to say, it's to your advantage that I go. What a crazy thing to say. Jesus, are you kidding me? You're 33 years old. You've barely lived hardly any of your life. You've got this dynamic, powerful ministry. You're doing things that nobody has even ever seen in numbers that nobody's ever seen. I mean, people bring multitudes to you and they get healed. Not one leaves sick. I mean, we sit on the side of a mountainside for for three days just listening to you preach a sermon on the mount. And then we finally realize we ain't got any food out here. We better go get some. And then you multiply two two fish and, you know, know, the the fish and the loaves of bread. You're walking on water. You're telling storms to stop. You're, You're casting out every demon you come in into contact with. And then he says, it's better that I go. It's better that I go. Why? Because then the same spirit that's upon me can reside in you. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. I've heard people say, oh, man, I, I, I would love to walk in, in Jesus' day, and I would love to, to, to be able to walk with Jesus. Well, guess what? He couldn't be everywhere at the same time, but the Holy Spirit can be in every single. But see, what happened was when the Holy Spirit came, he multiplied what Jesus did. He multiplied it. 
So what Jesus could do in one small region, now the work of the kingdom can advance all over the earth by spirit-filled, spirit-empowered believers all over this planet. We're reaching places Jesus could never reach. We're doing things that Jesus could never do. That's, what the, that's the function of the church is to be the body of Christ, to be the extension of Jesus and himself. And he's saying, if I stay down here, I'm limited to what my physical form can do. But if I go there, he will send his spirit to you. And now you can do all the stuff I was doing. And we maximize the work. Jesus, or God loves to, to maximize and to multiply and to take things to the nth degree. He loves to expand. He loves to, to, to continue to colonize and continue to advance the kingdom of God on the earth. And he's not stopping today. But he needs believers. He needs uh, Christians. He needs the church to be full of the Holy Spirit. So he can't be tolerated in the church and the church to be full of power. We might be full of this stuff, but with this stuff, without the, 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 the Holy Spirit power operating within each individual believer is nothing. The church has to be full of the Holy Spirit. It's, it is non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. God is not up in heaven determining which churches can operate without the Holy Spirit and which ones can. He's saying, you either operate with my Holy Spirit or you're not operating in my kingdom on the earth the way I intended. That's why he told the disciples, go and tarry. Wait, don't do one thing until what? Until you receive the promise of the Father, until you receive the Holy Spirit. And that's when we know Acts chapter 2 shows up. And, 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 and the, the change that took place, and he didn't need very many, got 120 120 in an upper room waiting around. They don't even know what they're waiting for. We know what they were waiting for. They didn't even know. They had no clue what that meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon them. He breathed on them. Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, but you've got to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit filling you and empowering you to do kingdom work. And you can't show me one person in the Bible that operated in the power of the kingdom without the Holy Spirit. You have to go, you can even go to the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit did not reside on people. And he had to come on specific individuals. They had to be full of the Holy Spirit. They had to have the, the Holy Spirit come upon them to perform the works that they did. Even Jesus himself had to receive the Holy Spirit before he could do a work. He didn't do one work until he received the Holy Spirit. Till he came up out of that water, the uh, Holy Spirit as a dove came upon him, the, the voice from the cloud speaks, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We didn't get a well pleased until the Holy Spirit showed up. And we're talking about Jesus. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to operate in ministry, how much more do we? Who are we to think we can do it without it? So we need the Holy Spirit. So in Matthew chapter 7, and I don't even think I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, we might be, as we'll find out as we go. But we need the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit of God. You know, what, what, what's interesting on that note is your spirit man, when you are born again, your spirit man on the inside knows he needs the Holy Spirit. You might not know it yet, 
but your, your spirit man on the inside is saying, please get this. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. You need this. Yeah, I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit can, can, can perform the other functions in my life and we're not, we're not limiting it to the power because we need to operate in the fruit of the Spirit before we start operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Right? I don't care if you can interpret tongues if you can't hold your tongue. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what you got to say. No, I want the fruit of the Spirit. I want love and joy and peace operating in my life, as well as the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as well as the power of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? The other thing is about the Holy Spirit is it's not, it's not a power. It's not a presence. It's a person. He. He. As a gender. As a, he is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person that we must have relationship with. And when you know the person, you get the power. When you know the person, you get the power. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. That's the house we want to be, Amen. But verse 26 says, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine, everyone say hears, he hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. We have two houses Verse 24 says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Verse 26 says, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. Two houses, both heard. Uh, uh, you could put it this way. Both of these men were in the same church on the same pew. Go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And I'm going to kind of work backwards on this one in Matthew 13. I want to start with verse 18. And then we'll back up and kind of get some perspective. Verse 18, therefore, hear, everyone say hear, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. Verse 20, but he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root in himself. He endures only for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arise because of the word, Immediately he stumbles. Verse 22, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Verse 23, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred some 60 and some 
30. In both of these passages, in Matthew chapter 7 and in Matthew chapter 13, we see a common denominator between all of the uh, 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 images, all the, the uh you know, the people, the subjects that are being used. We've got a, a man that built a house on rock. He what? Heard the word. We got a man that built his house on sand. He what? Heard the word. Now we've got four different accounts of, of individuals that heard the word. Verse uh, 19 says, when anyone hears the word. Verse 20 says, but he receives seed on the stony places is he who hears the word. Verse 22 says, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And then verse 23, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word. All six subjects, all six uh, opportunities to hear the word, the word was heard. But we do not have results that we want from all six subjects. With the, the, the house built on rock and house built on sand, they both heard the word, but one stood and one fell. And so you got a 50-50 chance. And, and then here we, we get even worse uh, in, in, in Matthew chapter 13. Now we're down to 25%. It's, it's interesting, and the Bible notes this also, that in the last days, we will not have a deficiency of the word. In, in fact, we have the word uh, uh, preached and communicated and taught uh, at, a greater, at the greatest level that this planet has ever seen. They can't get rid of the Bible. They've tried. They've never been able to do it. And they, they kill apostles and they kill disciples and they kill preachers and they kill teachers. And guess what? We just keep populating. We just keep, we just keep showing up on the planet. They can't take us out. You take me out, I've got 10 more behind me that are ready to communicate the word. The, the enemy cannot get rid of the word. He cannot touch this word. It is absolutely uh, uh, impossible to get rid of the Bible, of, to get rid of God's word. In fact, God said that his word will remain. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says the flower fades, the grass may wither, but my word will stand forever. You cannot get rid of the word of God. It's preached at levels it's never been preached. It's heard at levels it's never been heard. It is on radio. It is on TV. It is on social media. It's on the internet. It's in people's homes. This book right here is printed in this planet more than any other book that has ever been printed on earth. It, this book is more irrefutable than any other book on this planet. You cannot deny that this is a real book. You can't, you can never get rid of the facts. There are more facts supporting this text than any other book on this planet. Can't get rid of it. But yet it's not producing results at the level matching its availability. And this is what Jesus and Peter and Paul warned, is that in the last days, we're in the last days. I mean, we're, we're closer than anybody else ever has been. That people would fall away from it that people would misuse it, that people would confuse it, 
that it would not produce the results that we know and that we preach and that we claim it can produce. And now we're in a day and age. Just the saddest thing. I was in St. Augustine yesterday with Pastor Earl. They were holding a special meeting down there for pastors. And I was down there. And he made mention of a meeting that they recently went to in their community. They gathered pastors uh, they, they, I don't know, once a month or whatever, they, they bring them together and, and, you know, have different people speak and just, you know, unity of the pastors coming together and, and that whole thing. And they had this individual come up and he's a pastor and he was quoting a very famous pastor a lot and talking about how hard and how difficult preaching in ministry is and, 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 then began to go down this slant apparently of how, you know, in our day and age, we have to preach this in such a way that we're accepting of people and their lifestyles and their patterns and their behaviors all the way to the point that he made this statement. He said, you know, I I had someone uh, come to my church uh, and they said they were an atheist and they came with a friend of theirs. And and my response to them was, you know what? You, You might be right. I mean, I could be wrong. You could be wrong. I mean, who's to know? Help him, Jesus. And it got way worse than that. I mean, he kept sharing stuff, and I was like, did you leave? Did you? What, what in the world is going on here? And, and somebody on our staff spoke up because everybody in the room was just in agreement. And there was about seven of our pastoral staff there, and one particular individual, uh, uh, you know him, he's been here, uh, he sings and he does worship, and he's my best friend. He, 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 I don't want to name any names, but Pastor Marcus was there, and, um, oh, whoops, that came out. And, and, and he was responding, you know, to these statements, because everybody was just in agreement, like, yeah, this is what we need to do, this this is pastors. Like this, these are the ones communicating the word. And, and, and Pastor Earl told us as staff, he said, it's no longer a myth that this stuff is happening in other churches. It's no longer just a mythical idea that there are only a few that are going to hold to the word in the last days. And I'm not here to stand up against others. If, if I were there, I would have stood up and said, I, I got to be honest, guys, it absolutely grieves me. That, that this is the direction that you're taking. And I, I encourage, call me. Let's go to lunch. Let's, let's talk. I, I want to help you think through some of these things because I feel like we're buying into something without real good train of thought and you're going to lose thousands, millions. You're going to lose a whole flock because of that. In a day and age where opinion is of such a high value, and, and on top of that, we talked about the availability of the word and, and how, especially in our, our country, guys, I've been out of the country. I've taught, preached in other countries, halfway around the world. And, and theirs are torn up, underlined, and, and, and can't even keep it together. You know, they just find whatever they can. To be, and they don't let it out of their sight, the value that they have. 
But you know as well as I do, sometimes when something is so readily available, you don't treat it as honorable. Right? We treat those closest to us worse than we treat someone that we've never met before. Because they're right there. I, I, I'm around you all the time. I, I've got access to it anytime. So now this readily availability of, of the word that we have, especially in our culture, Miles Monroe brought the kingdom message to the United States. He's not even from the United States. And he said, uh, when, when God told me to preach the kingdom message to America, I, I told him I wouldn't do it because they'll never receive it. Because their experiences and their Americanized thinking cannot wrap around the kingdom. And he said, I got, he said you got to go. But he's from the Bahamas. The Bahamas used to be owned by a kingdom, by England. They easily bought into the idea of the kingdom of God and what God was trying to establish. And so now this word, this so valuable, so, I mean, all of us would, if I went around the room right now and asked you, do you love the word? Yes. Do you honor the word? Oh, yes. But what does that really look like? What does that really look like? We got one that built his house on sand got one that built his house on rock, and they both heard the word. I'm going to tell you today, it's not the word that you hear that changes your life. It's the word that you hide that changes your life. David said, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin. Sin is just disobedience disobedience or, or doing the opposite of, of hidden the word. It, 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 it's not good enough that I just hear it. It's not a good enough that I just go to church and, 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 and even in a good church. You know, the, the thing about our church is you become responsible for what you hear. I mean, it's like we should have warning signs on the outside say, warning, you will hear the irrefutable word of God uncompromised word of God. This is not watered down. This is not milked down. This is the word of God in its rawest, freshest form. And it will absolutely change your life, but you will have to apply it and you will have to put it into practice and you will have to alter your life to the word. The word will not alter to you. The word does not bow to anyone. And as a preacher and as a pastor, sometimes it's, built in that I have a value for the word. But my value for the word is not in my studying, in my preaching of it. My value for the word is in my application of it. And I have to apply the same word just as anybody else. It has to be evident in my life. Otherwise, I'm building on a foundation that will not stand. Now, notice that we don't know, we don't really know if the word is in you until the pressure comes. We don't know what level of value and honor for the word that you have when it's sunny skies, birds flying overhead. But when the storm comes, that's where we determine, does the house stand or fail? Or even uh, here in Matthew chapter 13, he says, the seed that fell on stony places, they immediately receive it with joy. That means they were in church and they were lifting their hands, shouting amen, underlining and starring their Bible. But it says that he had no root in himself, endured only for a while. Because what? 
tribulation and persecution arose. Why? Because of the word. Did you know that what I'm telling you today will bring tribulation and challenges to your life? If you need to pack up and go, I totally understand. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Better get out of here. He says he only endures for a while. Tribulation and persecution. We don't know what's there until the pressure shows up. It's like this. What you, what you put in is what comes out when it's squeezed, when the, when the pressure comes. Does the word come out or does something else come out? Even verse 22, he who receives seed among the thorns, he hears the word, but what happens? The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. Now, now look at this. Way back in verse 19, this is what the Bible says. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, notice this is a specific word. The word of the kingdom and does not understand it. What happens? The wicked one comes. You know, the enemy is not after every church on, on this planet. There, there are some churches, he's okay with what they're preaching. That's really what the enemy wants. You know why? Because the enemy knows he can't defeat you. You're in Christ. You're a son and daughter of the king. You're a child of God. You have a destiny, a purpose. God has created and informed you and, and, and old things are gone, new things. He knows that he can't touch you. But if he can touch what you hear, and if he can get a hold of what you see, and if he can get a hold of how you respond to things, then guess what? He won't even, you'll, have, you'll do all the work for him. See, it, 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 it's one device, it, it's one idea to get rid of the word altogether. But his plan is, what if I can confuse the word? So they think they're getting something when they're really not. Genesis chapter 3. Did he really say? Did he really say? And it's the same thing he did to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 when he tempted him 40 days and 40 nights. If you are, what's he trying to do? Bring confusion? He's the author of confusion. The enemy is a perverter of the things of God. Everything in this planet, good and evil, initially came from God. The enemy couldn't work until God spoke. He had nothing to go off of because there was no command to disobey. But once the command is given, that also becomes the enemy's weapon in his hand, and it's up to us to respond accordingly. Notice in, in all these cases, it was it, it, the, the, the storm and the pressure isn't what determined whether they stood or not. It was their response to it. The storm can't take you out. You, you can say, well, that, that crazy storm. Well, there's a house that did stand. So apparently it wasn't the storm. Apparently you can do something to weather the storm. You can do something because there was one who receives seed on good ground. It's he who hears the word and understands it. He bears fruit. 160 and 30. So we can't blame it on the pressure of life. No, you arm yourself. Now, we got to back up here. Go back to verse 10. Because in, in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, he gives the parable. 
And he's talking to, uh, let's see if it, it states it here. Verse two, let's just look at verse two. Matthew 13, verse two. You got the whole thing in front of you there. Verse two, and great multitudes were gathered together to him. So he's talking to a lot of people. And then he gives the parable of the sower. Now he just explained the parable of the sower, but watch this. He did not explain the parable of the sower to everybody. We're about to see something very interesting. We're about to see that Jesus, Jesus was a little more exclusive than we like to think. That Jesus could close himself off and Jesus didn't just give away everything. Look at verse 10. This is after he gave the parable in verses one through nine. Verse 10, and the disciples, who? The disciples came to him and said to him, why do you speak to, watch this, them in parables? So the disciples recognized something. There's a line in the sand. There's an us. And there's a them. Why do you talk to them in parables? Why are you? Because, why? Because they know that if Jesus wanted to, he could give the whole thing away to everybody. But Jesus also said, you don't cast your pearl before swine. This is interesting. The disciples, the ones that forsake everything to follow him, the ones that paid a high price, the ones that made a major, the multitudes didn't pay a sacrifice. They didn't pay a price to be around Jesus. They're just around Jesus because of the popularity. But the second he's not popular anymore, they're gone. The second he starts saying stuff like, until you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can't follow me. Dude, we out. This turned really dark all of a sudden. You were cool when you were doing all those miracles. But this whole eating flesh and drinking blood stuff, I'm not a cannibal and I'm not. No, they're just just watching. Why do you speak to them? Verse 11, he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries, the mysteries, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been been given. Because when you pay a price, then you get the reward. But you don't get the reward if you don't pay the price. There's an us and there's a them. Why do you talk to them? And he says, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries. Mysteries means it's, it's hidden, right? If it's mysterious, that means what? You have to do a little more work. You got to go a little deeper than just what's on the surface. Now, he gave them the parable. We have this Bible. I'm going to tell you right now, whether you own a Bible or not does not determine if you get the mysteries or not. Whether you have a Bible in your lap right now does not determine if you get the mysteries. What determines if you get the mysteries is what you put in. What you put in determines what you get out. What you put in determines what you get out. I I speak mysteries from this pulpit every Sunday, every Wednesday. Not everybody gets those mysteries. That's, That's why I love these Wednesday nights. Because you pay a little more of a price. You didn't just wait and say, well, you know, I'll wait till Sunday when I don't have to work. 
I'll wait, I'll wait till the weekend. You paid a price to get here. Coming out in the middle of the week, you know, a lot of churches aren't even doing midweek services anymore. And their, 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 their church bodies are missing out on an opportunity to make a sacrifice. They're missing out on an opportunity to, to say, you know what? I could be doing this. I could be staying home, getting ready for tomorrow. I could be getting the kids ready for that test tomorrow. I could be, but it's a sacrifice. But you can go a little deeper when people paid the sacrifice. The disciples paid the price. They left everything. They left their parents. They left their families. They left their businesses. They left their jobs. That's why there's only 12 of them. It's a small group. And he goes on, for whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, watch, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. What he's saying is, is it's not my fault, it's their fault. It's not the father's fault. They've had prophets come to them repeatedly and they killed every single one of them. And now they're about to kill me. My father's been trying to get the word to them. Later on in Matthew, he has to address the individuals that they're killing the prophets. God is sending you people to warn you. God is sending you individuals to preach to you. God is sending you people to reveal light to you. He's sending you people to help you understand the mysteries and you're killing them because you don't value the word. He's saying they see, they see it, but they don't see it. And they, they hear it, but they don't hear it. In verse 14, in them, the prophet, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Isaiah being one of those prophets, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. There's so much to say about that. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Look at the, look at the reward for hearing and seeing. So that I should hear them, heal them. He only wants good for us. I mean, he tells us, you know, correction doesn't feel good in the moment. The Bible tells us that the Lord chastens those he loves. That's the word of God. The word of God doesn't always come to pet my flesh. The word of God doesn't always come to confirm that everything I'm doing is right. Sometimes the word comes and says, you are messing it up. This is how you treat your wife. This is how you respond to your husband. This is how you work for your boss. And, and those are the words that rub us. Those, and there are shouting words and then there's, piercing words. But the only purpose of any word of God is to heal you. He sent his word and he healed them. That's the purpose 
of the word to heal your heart, to heal your mind, to heal your flesh, to heal your relationships, to heal your purpose, to heal, to heal, to heal. The word to heal means to make whole or to mend. It means to bring back together that which was broken. The enemy broke some stuff. He jacked some stuff up and then we helped him out a little bit more, but the word comes and when we don't receive it, we stay broke. When we don't receive the word as, 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 Correcting as it may be, and as instructing as it may be, and, and, and as, as, as hard of, of to, to hear it as it may be, it's there for our benefit. Only for our benefit. The word of God never comes in. That's why you, you've got to judge prophecy. Uh, you know, if you've heard, uh, you may have heard, I know I've heard of prophets, uh, you know, that, that they get up and they speak these condemning words, speak these, and it's like, that's, that's not of God. Get, you will, the Bible tells us when the Holy Spirit speaks, the church is edified. It's built up. I mean, you walk out of here saying, yeah, we can do this, not, oh, God, I don't even know why I went to church today. That doesn't mean that your flesh enjoys it. But your spirit man on the inside is saying, yes, this is it. That's the way. That's the truth. That's the life. That's what we've been trying to find. That's what we've been looking for. That's what we've been searching for. It's the word. The word is a lamp unto your feet. It's a light unto your path. The longest chapter in the Bible is about the word of God. Psalms 119. And in a world of, of busyness and in a world of distraction and in a world of confusion, I mean, denominations and religions and, and who's right and who's wrong. And, and this, it, we have the answer. It is right here. We have it in so many translations. We have it in so many uh, 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 interpretations. We, the word of God is the most readily available thing we have. Why is it not producing the results in our lives? He says, they've grown hard of hearing. Later on, Paul warns Timothy of the same thing. He says they will grow dull of hearing. Hebrews tells us that, that we grow dull of hearing and therefore we have to go back and hear the elementary truths all over again. Got to start at the bottom, start at the basics. Why? Because we've grown dull. The word will always perform when it's applied. The word will always perform when it's given attention. The word will all, this word cannot fail. It cannot. So we're, we're recognizing that God has a word that he's trying to get to us. Go to Romans chapter eight real quick. Romans chapter eight. The enemy is not out to stop you. He can really care less about you. What the enemy cares about is the word. The word. He knows if you get a hold of the word, you get a hold of your identity in Christ, 
That's, that's what, that, that, that is his end goal. That's his end game. That, that, that is what he, he works to do the most, is confuse and disrupt and distract the word of God. There is no move of God without a word of God. We hear so many churches calling out for revival. Revival doesn't happen because you post it on Instagram. Revival doesn't, have it, doesn't happen because you, 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 you host a few meetings. That's not revival. The revivals that we read about, that, that, those were the product of men and women getting on their knees for days, for months, sometimes for years. See, we always want the, the, the product without the process that got the product. We want the trophy, but we don't want to practice We want trophies without training. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the Spirit, but according, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So he's identifying who he's talking about here. He's talking about you and I talking about believers. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about people that have not just accepted Jesus as Savior. They've accepted Jesus as Lord, and he's the ruler and and controller and manager of their life. He's king. That's who he's talking about. And for those people, there's no condemnation. They walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through my flesh, through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the spirit, walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, watch this, set their minds on the things of the flesh. He's saying if they didn't get there by accident, The flesh didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm in charge, forget you. No, they set their minds. You got there, before you got there in your flesh, you got there in your head. Remember I had an individual one time that, uh, I'm not even going to say what this individual did, but this individual had committed adultery. And was forgiven and, and restored and that whole thing. And it was awesome to see the healing power of God. But, but he made this statement. He said, I, I had 15 minutes of laps. No, you didn't. You had days and weeks and months of meditating and thinking on what this was going to be like and how this was going to go down. And you studied it in your mind. You got there in your head way before you got there in the flesh. You may have had 15 minutes of a product, but there was a process that got you there. Never, you don't fall into sin. You are walking towards it. A lot of times we fall into what we live on the edge of. That's why we draw the line and then we get as far away from the line as possible. I don't even want to be accused. I don't even want to be accidentally near it. It is, it is so far from, you couldn't, even, you couldn't even mistake that I did that. No, you, you get there in your mind. You set your mind on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, for to be carnally minded is death. Here's the reward. It pays out. 
But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means it's always in conflict. Your your flesh will always be in conflict to the word. Right now, your flesh is saying, "Mm -mm. no, I don't want to. Your, your, your spirit man is saved, your soul is being saved, and your flesh can never be saved. So you kill it. You kill the flesh. Crucify the flesh and its deeds and its desires and its temptations and, and everything that the flesh would want. You just, you destroy it. You mutilate it. When he said crucify, that was a very real image. When Paul said you crucify, he said, I die daily. He said, I beat my flesh into submission. My flesh doesn't even have a say, but it's because you get this in there. It's because you fix on this and you meditate on this and you get this in you. This doesn't come out unless it goes in. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Oh, God loves me. Yep. He sure does. There's nothing Camden could do for me not to love him. I don't care if he murders someone. There's nothing he could do that I would say, I don't love you anymore. I'll always say I love you, but I might not always be pleased with you. That's a whole another level. He says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh You're in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not in you. But uh, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. The spirit is life because of righteousness. And the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, he dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Bottom line is, is your spirit man has to be fed spirit food. How do you win the battle between flesh and spirit? Whichever one you feed gets stronger. Whichever one you continue to give attention to, whichever one you allow to get his way, whichever one you kill, whichever one you destroy, whichever one you shut down, whichever one you keep accountable, whichever one that you you don't allow it to have a voice, it dies. So you got to feed. You got to feed what goes in what comes out. Guys, it's, 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 it's one thing to hear, but what, what, what are we putting out? What are we meditating on? Maybe we'll go there next week, talk about meditating on the word. I mean, meditate. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. It doesn't say read to show yourself approved. That means there's some digging. We've got to get back to, to a church that values and honors the word so that we can produce the harvest and so that we can stand in the storms. The storms are gonna come, guys. I can never preach you a word that, that is biblical that says, guys, if you wanna be free from storms and challenges, listen to what I have to say. It's not the Bible. They're gonna come. 
You're going to get bad reports from the doctor and you're going to have bad, uh, 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 bad levels in your accounts and you're going to have people hate you. You're going to have people persecute you. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have people that were the closest to you that you thought would never walk away, turn their back on you and spite you. But the word's going to come out. The word's going to produce. The word, I'm so full of the word, but, 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 but you got to get it in there and you got to allow it to take its root so you can endure and stand that no matter what wind comes, I, and there were some trees knocked over last week. We stayed in a hotel last week because in my house, we have 22 pine trees surrounding my house. They're all just standing there saying, we're going to get you. Didn't go down with Irma, didn't. But, but the last two years in my neighborhood, people have lost homes to those trees. The last two years, I've got pictures to prove it. You had trees go down, but they fell the other way. He had an angel pushing that thing the other way away from the house. Yeah, guardian angels. You, you've heard about that, right? Okay. <laughs> Plead the blood over the trees, man. My mom would plead the blood over everything, plead the blood over tires. She'd bleed the blood over a dentist drill. She'd bleed the blood over cereal. I couldn't die. They they could put poison in there, and it was, the blood was covering it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaith.austin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.